0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Hundreds of Christian leaders from around the nation are going to be gathering again this year to strategize for a gospel movement to flourish in each town and city around Australia. Well, part of what happens in these gatherings is the formation of a unity between Christian leaders Proclaiming the Good News and Justice for the Broken and the Destitute. Well, it seems that changes in communities begin with the idea of processing the pain in our communities and making a strategy to respond. We might not be able to do that on our own, but we are much more effective in addressing that pain when we work together as the body of Christ. Well, this year, the two-day conference called Movement Day, is on again in May. It'll be on the 8th and the 9th of May. Ian Shelton is the Movement Day hub leader for the Pacific region, and he's joining us through this coming hour. A special welcome along to 2020 to you, Ian Shelton. Uh, Thanks, Neil. Ian, you've watched this growing from sort of small beginnings, and it's really beginning to take hold. People are excited about what happens uh, when leaders are unified together, and they're
2: addressing the real issues that are going on in the community. Our people are excited, and it is a wonderful start, and we're very encouraged. But after saying that, long way to go. Uh,
1: there is a long way to go, and you are anticipating this will go year upon year upon year, and it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so opportunities like today... When we can talk about this and with people who are living in cities and towns right around Australia, and nobody is left out of this conversation because people in the smallest communities to the biggest cities. Uh, we're all charged with this idea of getting together and being salt and light
2: in our community.
1: This is a powerful concept, isn't it?
2: Uh, Absolutely. In every town and city in Australia, there's some sort of Christian witness and even some sort of Christian unity. Some of it mightn't be very strong, but in other places, it is quite strong. So really, Movement Day Sydney isn't about everybody just coming to Sydney. It's actually about empowering people to go back into their own communities um, fire up with some more unity and some more civic engagement for the gospel
1: and in your own background you're leading a church in the Queensland regional city of Toowoomba and you know uh, you can play around with some spiritual things in church uh, or you can have some practical impact in the lives of people
2: you've developed a real balance on this over the years haven't you um, well I'm not too sure how balanced I am, I'm, I'm working on it uh, I think um, many years ago I came to the realisation that I wasn't Just called to pastor a church, I was called To pastor a city, but then I realised I couldn't do that by myself So I started connecting with pastors and Not just pastors, business leaders uh, parachurch leaders, other leaders around Our city of Toowoomba And we started to form a friendship, a lot of coffee Together, then we started to pray together Then we started to go on retreats together Then we started to strategize together, what could we do for our city. And a lot of it really was out of our prayer, just releasing people with a burden to do something like Easterfest or reaching the down and outs or the homeless or engaging with the political process. And so we found a great joy out of our connection we could pastor a city and do something for our community together.
1: I know there'll be those listening, thinking, I wonder what my pastor is doing in my town, in my community. And uh, of course, uh, no one wants to pass any judgment here. But there are people listening to our conversation now that could certainly encourage the sort of relationship that actually does make a huge difference in towns and communities and it's not just the leaders who are a part of this because really where the uh, where the the hands and feet of of ministry often happen is because people are responding to a direction that a leader sets uh, sets so so how do you talk about ordinary people perhaps not the leaders they're also part of this whole process
2: oh that's very important uh, i came to find that uh, actually not to expect pastors to do uh, be on every committee and to sort out the city. Not at all, but pray together, relate together, and be permission givers. And we've found that many people, not not naturally even in leadership, uh, had burdens and passions for some area of city life. For instance, we had some teenage girls and some young ladies who had a passion to produce a magazine for for young ladies that would have good value and take away the sexualized stuff that most of the women's magazines had. And so I thought, well, I'll never be able to do that. But they hopped in and achieved it. It's now 10 years old. It's full glass colour and it's going all over Australia and even overseas, all produced from a few teenage girls um, in the beginning. They're not now uh, in Toowoomba. Uh, so we've seen this more and more as people with bur- uh, burdens and passions can be encouraged and released and sometimes resourced. Now, our conversation today is not just about your local
1: community in Toowoomba, but let's talk about it as a case study for a moment, because there are so many good things that I keep hearing coming out of your city in Toowoomba. Uh, From the council being on side uh, to those who are in representative positions in uh, state and federal parliaments, uh, how there's this relationship between the church leaders. How do you describe what's going on in your city and what's so special and different about how that's come to be?
2: Uh, I'm not too sure how special, but, uh, and it, not even necessarily different. It's all kind of relative. Look, uh, we've been working at it for a long time, and there's a lot to be encouraged about. We have to say that. But then it was pioneered by pastors in my generation, and no one can see me right at this moment, um, but I'm in my 70s now, and we're all off the scene, and a new Bunch of younger leaders have come on board who perhaps weren't, hadn't experienced this before. So it's kind of been a re-educating process. And now younger leaders are taking over and taking this on. So we are encouraged. There is some good engagement with political leaders, um, helping homeless and almost everything in between. After saying that, like everywhere, we've got a long way to go. Now, I don't want to go too
1: far off track here, but when you make that description of how things happen, it's as though you work for decade upon decade as a young uh, leader in Christian ministry. And uh, as you say, you're sitting here today, listeners can't see you, and uh, looking pretty good for your 70s, I might say. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you hit that big seven zero, and uh, you move into like an emeritus role uh, in your leadership in the city. And this might even give us some insight into what happens as we advance in our years, because we truly do become the fathers of of our city Uh, sometimes we talk about uh, civic leaders being the city fathers but church leaders are city fathers too and you've got a tremendous uh, responsibility uh, to be able to be an effective church father uh, city father, what are your thoughts on just uh, on you know this sort of generational change? Because we might even get into some of this a little later on.
2: Ah, uh, very important, Neil. In fact, it's critical. I'm not too sure how well we've done it, but we're working on it. I actually lead very little in the city anymore, including my own church. Uh, it's all handed over to younger leaders, and I am more in the back seat, and I travel a lot now around Australia engaging with other groups, so I'm not often even at home. But it's a joy when I come home just to go in the same groups and be supportive now instead of leading. It's a new day, and it's wonderful to hand on to the next generation Probably I'd wish I'd done that earlier, but you've got to have them there to hand it on to. Uh, Now they're starting to emerge, and it's a real joy to see what they do. They're more engaged, they're more relational, and some of them are much more strategic than perhaps my generation. And building on those foundations that have been laid in the past,
1: and even as listeners will be able to hear your humility as you say, well, I'm not sure how good a job we've done. Uh, Let me just honour you for a moment here, Ian, and knowing some of the good work that you've been involved in and the relationships between the leaders in your city, this is where it's very exciting. This year, you've got a theme for Movement Day, and uh, it's all around this issue of beauty. Now, beauty is contrasted with the idea of ugliness, and uh, you are big on talking about beauty and ugliness. Uh,
2: Give us a little insight into what people might anticipate with this year's Movement Day. Ah uh, yes, that that will be the theme that um where people combine and or unite around the gospel, the gospel produces beauty. Now, that thought came to me a couple of years ago when I read that famous quote from a Russian author from a long time ago. He simply said, "Beauty will save the world." And I was intrigued with that, so I started studying the idea of of beauty through the scriptures. And I hadn't really done that before. And I was fascinated to see that that's all the way through scripture. Now, he will beautify his saints with salvation. I will beautify my beautiful house and so forth and so forth. And even some of the modern translation uses the word beauty quite often Uh, in place of other words. And so I started to think, boy, unity is beautiful. Where pastors humble themselves and serve one another rather than themselves, that's beautiful. Where a life is transformed, that's beautiful. Where a marriage is restored, that's beautiful. So this year we're going to celebrate the beauty of the gospel in the towns and cities of Australia. Now, we've all got a long way to go, but that beauty is already there. We want to celebrate that, enhance it, and then accelerate the idea of beautifying our communities with the gospel. And this
1: builds on what was your theme last year where you were talking about processing the pain of communities. Uh, This is very powerful because the pain in the communities that we live in, and no listener is excluded from this when we look around us and we see the sort of pain people are going to, processing the pain because the pain we're seeing is ugliness. Yeah. Uh, you're saying, well, how do we replace that ugliness yeah. with the beauty that comes from the gospel? This is a powerful concept. Uh, this idea of processing the pain, this is where you start uh, with your uh, relationship with other leaders, identifying those issues of painfulness yeah. uh, and then strategizing how you bring the beauty.
2: Absolutely. Um, everything Jesus does beautifies. Everything the devil does uglifies. And ugly always causes pain. And I think it's, I have to give credit to the women of our city, the Christian women. Women are more attuned to pain and they respond to the needs to heal pain, perhaps better than us men, and particularly us um, male leaders who are often um, very driven for our events and our program and our outcomes, etc. But uh, in our own city, the women started getting together and and starting to relate. Where was the pain in the city? And they found it everywhere, especially in fatherlessness, sexual abuse, uh, domestic violence, uh, the whole uh, sexualization of culture. And so they then formed ministries to start to meet the needs of that pain, and saw many people, uh, especially young girls and young women, come to faith as they. Uh, met those needs of pain and brought healing. So that became a lesson to us male leaders. And then we realized uh, that this has to be a big part of our focus, meeting the needs. In fact, we even have a little saying, the harvest is in the pain. And so as we started to relate to the pain and people got healed, we started to see an increasing number of people come to faith. Uh, it's tragic,
1: isn't it? And we won't let our conversation uh, go into uh, all things uh, that are you know, even political right now. Uh, except to say that there are times, and uh, we've uh, been exposed to this over these last couple of days, where, where uh, we're reminded that there are some in church life who have, in fact, been causes yeah. of the pain. And there is a certain humility that is uh, gripping the church right now, uh, given uh, you know the issues with uh, Cardinal George Pell and uh, and what's been going on for decades. Uh, we've in fact, in some cases, been the causes of some of the pain. I just want to just contextualise that too, because the church, by and large. Meets these issues of pain, and that's what you're encouraging. But sometimes we do have to recognise, don't we, that uh, if we don't do it right, uh, we can get it really badly wrong.
2: Oh, totally. Um, I mean, mean, many years ago, we had a combined meeting in our city, and about eighteen or twenty senior pastors all got up and repented to the gathering, the gathered crowd about pain we'd caused them in perhaps mistakes we'd made as pastors. We at that stage, uh, sexual abuse wasn't on the national agenda, but we were just thinking about anything we did as pastors, and then we asked for forgiveness, and we had an amazing combined service as people forgave and pastors repented, and then in more recent days, of course, the whole sexual abuse thing has come on 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 the agenda, and then the pornography issue has come on the agenda. We realised this was in the church almost as much as outside the church. So again, when we gather on this, we often begin our meetings with repentance um, to one another and to the wider community for pain that we've inflicted. And especially, we've started this program in Toowoomba called Toowoomba a Porn-Free City. And the first thing we did was have a combined church service where we st- Uh, spoke openly about the porn that was even in Christian men and some Christian women within the church itself. So we need always to start within the house and sweep that clean as best we can before we go outside.
1: Sweeping the house clean, and when you've got the house relatively clean, maybe you can never completely clean the house
2: Uh,
1: because as soon as you feel like you've got the clean house, there's uh, other visitors coming in, and, uh, and all of a sudden you're back to square one. But you have done some magnificent things in bringing the civic leaders into the idea of a porn free city, Uh, whereas some people think that somehow or other the church is uh, battling away over in its little corner. Uh, Others are not interested in that. In fact, the civic leaders of our cities, they want to see the sort of beauty
2: that the Christians want to see as well. Absolutely. Our mayor leads uh, the charge on the porn-free city. Uh, He had family members, that uh, female family members, that had been accosted uh, sexually, and that had made him very upset and angry. And so he, he, and then he started to see the research on it. So he's become a big supporter. In fact, he leads an annual rally against porn in our city, and has been a wonderful advocate and a wonderful, as you mentioned before, a father of our city. And other political leaders and councillors have also equally um, stepped up and we're very thankful for their support.
0: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: So how do you replace the ugliness in your community with the beauty of the gospel? You might have your own story to tell of when you've seen that happen. You might have your own perceptions of the pain that you are seeing in your community, and you might even make that the prayer of your own heart as to how that might change, and you might see that pain replaced with beauty. Ian Shelton is our guest. He's the Movement Day hub leader for the Pacific region. I mentioned uh, it's getting bigger each year and there are more movement day gatherings than just the one that we'll talk about primarily that's going to be happening in Sydney on the 8th and 9th of May. Uh, Ian, uh, give us a little insight into
2: where other movement gatherings are happening around the nation and overseas. Yes. Um, the one in Sydney, this is the third one, Was all, it's a national one to sow the vision of the need of it in every town and city in the South Pacific. And that's my response that the world, actually, but uh, I'm working here in the South Pacific. So for this year, for the first time, Perth is going to be the first city in the South Pacific to have a movement day, Celebrating the gospel just for it, that city. And that will be the Saturday before, the 4th of May. And uh, there's a great team there, representative right across the city of church leaders, business leaders, uh, prayer leaders, etc. And then after Sydney, in the middle of May, there'll be one in Wellington, New Zealand, which is a national one to begin the journey of sowing it for the towns and cities of New Zealand. And then later in the year, there'll be a little one in Toowoomba and in Port Moresby, where there's great needs in that city. A wonderful team have come together. Um, really acknowledging the great problems of crime and corruption and poverty they have but determined to begin the journey of working together to reach their own city
1: It is inspirational to hear of how things are continuing now to grow and expand for Movement Day We're going to be taking some calls In fact, let's take a call or two now Uh, Brian is on the line He's from Chariots of Fire Ministries in Geraldton Hello Brian, welcome along Good morning uh, Ian and a listener. Uh, hi Brian. Hey Brian, Again, Great to hear from you and I know we've got a, a, a date uh, scheduled to talk about some of the good work for Chariots of Fire Ministries in WA2 coming up soon and I know that you're right in the heart of all of the sorts of things we're talking about today. What have you got to add Brian? Um, we're very excited that um, it's about everything organised now we've just got to find some funds for fuel
3: but uh, everything else is ready to go but we see that uh, the communities, especially in the remote communities, they, they just have uh, nothing to entertain them, or, or they're just sitting in a, in a lull-type environment where they need to uh, listen to music, or listen to someone talking, or watch TV, but um, we know that definitely helps, and we've seen it help working in many communities, and uh, we're just so excited to go back in, in June this year, and we'll cover the Kimberley game also put a new systems, but also see the people that have that system working, um, Vision Radio and GoT TV, that, that we'll get some great testimonies from that and... Uh We'll be able to show those and air those on the air as well, but we know it's going to be a very successful mission.
1: Brian, you are doing amazing work, and I'm not sure whether you're familiar with uh, the Chariots of Fire guys at all, Ian, but uh, you know, taking uh, the expertise that they have into communities where there are really deep social uh, challenges and into some of those, uh, Aboriginal communities, uh, that people will recognize up into the northwest of WA, uh, but, uh, you know, installing God TV and, uh, taking vision radio into those places. Uh, Brian doing an amazing job and, uh, bringing in the opportunity for people to be exposed to the beauty, whereas they might have only been exposed before to the pain.
2: Yeah. That's wo- that's wonderful to hear. Now I'm very excited to hear that um, people are involved in the remote communities that's just as important as the big cities God loves everywhere
1: Brian thank you so much for your call our talk back line is open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today we're talking about the beauty of the gospel Replacing the pain in communities. You mentioned some issues that had been addressed, that you're trying to address in your city of Toowoomba. These are the same issues that are prevalent in most towns uh, because uh, the issue of pornography uh, the issue of domestic violence, uh, these things are not just contained to only certain centres. Uh, they're everywhere. It is very pervasive. You don't have to actually look very hard and say, I wonder what the problems are in our community. You can identify these are obvious problems, Ian.
2: Uh, they're, they're everywhere, you're right, and then along with the drugs as well, and especially ICE. Uh, and it's just everywhere. There's no doubt about it. I think a root cause, and I once heard a, a significant New York leader say, the single greatest problem in New York is fatherlessness and so I think that's a root cause when fathers and mums don't get along don't provide a wonderful environment for their their families to grow up in uh, we're starting to get problems and you know of course every family has its struggles and challenges uh, but when it becomes endemic and there's so many that are suffering and uh, from a family breakdown then all these other problems have somewhere to feed on and 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 just to exacerbated it becomes a great challenge to build family and loving relationships in our communities. When you've got a unity between the leaders
1: and there's a strategy and people are moving along the right direction uh, it's all very well for a church to have a men's night that's going to be talking about fathers but if you're intentional about that there's a certain intentionality doesn't uh, doesn't it just flow from if you've got a strategy That if you've got an intentionality, it's not just a random topic that somebody's talking about, but there's a real intent to actually change hearts and bring solutions into where there might be domestic problem, uh, violence problems, and uh, the challenges of fatherlessness.
2: Uh, That 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 is a big challenge to be strategic and coordinated. And if I had to say something about Australian churches, we're not always strategic and coordinated. I mean, many churches do a wonderful job as one church. But as I asked one significant leader of a church recently, uh, after, he was telling me how well his church was doing, and that was the truth. But when I said, asked him how well the city was doing, he acknowledged that the city probably was going backwards. In that, with most social indicators. So then I suggested, do you think if we all work together as churches, we could do at least a little better than we currently are? And of course he agreed with that. So that's the challenge is for not just church leaders, but good, because there's lots of leaders in business and other areas around our city, school, Christian school principals and teachers and media and uh, all all over to get these uh, capable men and women of goodwill uh, to get together and discover how can we be strategic and coordinated to meet these problems and issues? How can we get to the fatherlessness problems? How do we get to our young ladies? How do we support single mums more adequately, etc., etc.? et cetera? So um, this is the probably one of the biggest challenges facing, I think, our cities going forward. Uh, exciting times ahead if you can get things in the right
1: direction. Let's take another call quickly in the lead-up to the news. Kate is on the line from Townsville. Hello, Kate. Welcome.
3: Hi, good morning, um, Neil. Good morning, Ian.
2: Hi, uh, Kate. How Kate,
1: are you? Kate, we need to be quick. What are your thoughts?
3: Um, I'm just wondering, actually, I'm living in Townsville, obviously, with the floods and the um, long recovery effort. I mean, we've got things up here like Samaritan's Purse is obviously helping as well as tying in with the council. I'm just wondering if there's something in this area um to, tied into what Ian is um, doing and more of a long-term approach as well that could be linked in.
2: Okay, uh, Kate, Kate uh, we'll get a thought or two from Ian here. Uh, very quickly, yes. Uh, the Reverend Anne Harley, a Uniting Church Minister, uh, is very aware of what we're doing and has been to Movement Day. And there has been other pastors and leaders across Townsville as well. Uh, What they're doing just right at this moment in the floods, I'm not too sure, but no doubt they are busy. I think the big YWAM base is active as well. So if you check some of your leaders, I think you'd probably find the answer to your question.
1: Kate from Townsville, thank you so much for your call. And uh, in the lead-up news, just a few seconds away really, but the inspiration you get from an outfit like Samaritan's Purse, who've arrived in town with a semi-trailer truck, Uh, fitted out to be able to coordinate an effort of getting Christian chaplains out talking to people who've in some sense uh, lost perhaps everything and uh, the way that that is an inspiration is that churches can coordinate these things and make a huge difference in the community. Well this year the two day conference known as Movement Day is on again May the 8th and 9th and there are another uh, set of Movement Day gatherings also happening in Perth. You could be a part of Movement Day gathering on the 4th of May, and then there's some other ones that are happening around the nation in New Zealand, in Port Moresby, in Papua New Guinea, and another one in Toowoomba. So plenty of activity happening as Movement Day really gets momentum. Uh, We'll take calls 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. What is the beauty that you can see in your community coming as a result of the gospel? Perhaps you want to reflect on the other side of the equation. What's the pain in your community that you see that needs to be addressed? And is the local church in your community doing an effective job? And what would it take for everyone to be united to make a real difference? Just before the news, we heard from someone making a comment about Townsville. It was Kate in Townsville, and she was reflecting on the dreadful circumstance there with the floods and what sort of response uh, that Christians might have in an ongoing sense. Uh, Wonderful context, uh, Ian Shelton, as the uh, leader of Movement Day, that you were able to bring in that uh, there is a context with natural disasters that come and go, but there is
2: something that is a bigger problem that needs to be addressed. Uh, Yes. uh, Look, um, uh, 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 crises that come like floods or or earthquakes or anything like this are terrible and have a lot of human suffering. And it's wonderful that the church and the wider community and government all get involved to uh, alleviate that suffering, of course, and help people back on their feet. But in all our communities, there's actually suffering for 365 days of the year. And uh, that's a little harder to see sometimes and a little harder to know how to alleviate. But that's the real issue of meeting the pain and rebuilding, restoring our communities. And the Bible talks about rebuilding destroyed cities. And that, to me, is the work of the gospel and should be the work of the church coming together to uh, discover what those needs are and how do you restore a broken, hurt, wounded community. And when you've got people
1: who are in a broken, hurt and wounded community, it starts with the individual, because if I've got these issues, uh, say, in a domestic violence context, if I am just consumed by my anger, if I am shaped by unfaithfulness that has been generation upon generation before, if the whole context of my life needs to be reshaped, it starts with my own humility of getting my own house in order before God, and then as a community, there's lots of us doing the same thing,
2: we've got a recovery in the community, haven't we? Uh, definitely. Look, nobody's perfect. All of us suffer some pain and struggles and challenges personally, family, etc., Uh, But the wonderful thing is to know that uh, we can be wounded warriors and even our wounds and pain that we have personally can really instruct us on how to be more sympathetic and supportive of meeting other people's needs. I mean, as Christians, yes, Jesus has met our needs, but we're still needy. Uh, But out of that, then we go and meet other people's needs who haven't met Jesus and perhaps even have greater pain. And so uh, that sort of sympathy and compassion goes a long way in a community. So we recognize
1: that our own history personally has this ugliness, has this brokenness, has this pain that's been associated with it. And when we have experienced this encounter with Christ, this gospel message, transforming message of the gospel, we are on a pathway to wholeness or Christ-likeness. And we can't always remain just as the one who has been broken and suffering and struggling. Eventually, we get to the point where we say, what is God calling me to do? And that actually is then to unite with others and make
2: a difference. And that's where you need a strategy a uh, definite definitely, and a strategy comes out of joint efforts uh, no one person and not even one church can have the, can have some answers, but not enough answers. And to cooperate together in our, what we call reconciled diversity, coming together with all the differences of all the different churches, Christians, and different groups around the city, you, you'll be amazed, oh, we've been amazed, uh, just the ideas that come and the people that volunteer, and especially the younger people, put up their hands, they're passionately concerned for justice issues in the city, and they're willing to sacrifice. And we're, we've been quite amazed and encouraged in Toowoomba to see how many have put their hands up to help once we've put a call out wider than our own single um, life or church. one eight hundred three
1: sixteen three sixteen 316 316 To join in our conversation today, let's take a call. Robin is on the line from Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin.
3: Yes, hi. I hope i I hope people aren't getting sick of me because I string up so often. But
1: <clears throat> you know what, you make some coffee. great contributions to this oh, program, Robin. You. We're always happy to hear from you.
3: Well, good. Um, yes, I just love your um, humility, uh, Ian, um, because that's really what's needed. And look, I've been thinking for a long time. The harvest that God is wanting to do, wanting to, is is definitely out of this increasingly godless um, culture we're in. And um, I know that because of that, there's a lot of pain out there, a lot of pain. And it's amazing because I, I think that the number one, humility, because <clears throat> what is worse when you're in pain is having somebody accuse you of something. I mean, they think they're helping you because they've got you all sized up and they say, this is your problem. And then they will not hear anything else. That is wrong. So don't accuse or condemn Um, More listen, but you know it's amazing because I know God is doing this. I'm I'm going to a church now. It's a Salvation Army church, and it's amazing the number of contacts. Um, I mean, I've got I live in a small country town out outside of Rockhampton, but but in my church in Rockhampton, it's amazing the number of people in that church that are related to people that I know in the small town that really need help. Um, I've come across one that's a sister, and I'm very much involved with um, with her now. And then there's the, a mother in the church that told me about her daughter. She sent me up with a gift to give to her daughter, and I know that lady as well. It's just amazing. But um, just to the Christians, please don't judge Don't think that you know everything about Christianity and everything about everybody's problems because
1: you don't. Robin, you're making some good common sense here because there is a certain sense in which Christians get criticized for being judgmental. And if we are going to be truly servants to people who are hurting and broken, who are looking for some level of... Uh, guidance help or support it's not going to come because we're beating around the brow uh, the old bible basher mentality uh, ian what are your thoughts because robin's touching on a sort of a, a raw nerve here for some that sort of says well i'd be involved in some level of christian ministry if people didn't think i was being judgmental uh, i want to be able to do something uh, what What are your thoughts for robin
2: um well i it sounds like she's doing a great job as is um look um it It is challenging because none of us are perfect and none of us are totally humble. <laughs> uh, we, could, we could be um, proud that we're humble or something. Uh, we all have needs. Uh, look, to go in with a, an attitude of finding what people's needs are and using our own resources to try to meet those needs generally keeps a posture of humility. Uh, also, I find that if we're there in the name of Christ, in unity. And we're not there just to get people into our own church. We're not there just to advocate for the success of whatever we think we're doing. Uh, but we're there in the name of Christ, happy to be nameless, uh, but wanting to see the needs met more than any personal um, you know credit or pat on the back You know I love the story in the, in the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 That it was the poor wise man that saved the city And when the city was saved from the enemy No one knew the name of that wise man And I've always looked at that and said I wonder if that's the heart of the church in every city That we would be happy to see a city saved But it doesn't matter who gets the credit
1: wouldn't that be wonderful? Robin, thank you so much for your call. Our talk back line is open on 1-800-316-316. You know, a thought comes to mind here as to when you've got towns, communities, whether they're small country towns or big cities, uh, this idea that between ministers uh, there is a competitiveness mm-hmm. and uh, or it could be a fear that if we're involved too closely in a unity with Uh, that lot down the road, uh, that somehow or other we might bleed some of our members to their church. There is those sorts of fears that go on uh, in leaders. How do you share into a context like that, Ian, when you've got uh, Christian leaders who are doing their own thing, uh, but if they get too involved with others, there might be some consequences they might have to deal with?
2: Uh, Look, that's the big issue that uh, we've faced and and continue to face in our own city, and I see all over the nation, all over the world, in fact. Uh, Somehow we've reduced Christianity to numbers of people sitting on our seats on Sunday morning or Saturday morning in the case of some of our um, brothers and sisters, and that that's a great shame, and that often ministers feel that they um get their credibility from the success of their ministry or church, and that's a great shame, so it's not only the competitiveness that's a part of it to get over those fears and insecurities that our credibility's on the line. The other thing is that some churches that are successful don't really want or feel they have no time for this and feel that they can make it alone that's another issue. So the, the, the challenge of bringing unity is somebody willing to be a catalyst. That means to give themselves to build relationships and to sow a vision that together we can do better and help people, and particularly pastors and leaders, to feel secure and to help them release their gifts that can be used outside of the church into the wider community. And where that's um, worked or been successful, I've seen great results.
1: Uh, there is a sense, and I've heard this expressed at different times over the years, uh, that where you've got your pastor or leaders in church, uh, they can be as busy or as lazy as they want to be in some sense. And uh, I don't want to cast any aspersions on anyone at all, but a pastor often does set their own weekly program. Uh, oftentimes they are very busy, often early morning until late at night. Uh, other times they're not, but it is possible, isn't it, to be able to block out a time into your week where you can involve yourself in unity issues with other church leaders and make that a part of your uh, way that you might, uh, you know, uh, uh, have this uh, this interaction with other churches, and therefore have at least the grounds for a new strategy to emerge. What are your thoughts on 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 Christian leaders?
2: Ah, uh, definitely. Um, it's said that we live our revelation. So, if our revelation of God and church is only my own local church, that's what we'll do. But if our revelation is of the body of Christ and the unity of the church in the city, in fact, we say we only have one church in our city, but many congregations. That's that's a mantra that we. Say so, so many pastors then put aside a morning, uh, or sometimes a whole day, to be interactive with the church of the city. To uh, qu- perhaps to go and pray as we do every Thursday morning in Toowoomba. Between twenty, forty, up to fifty pastors, leaders, chaplains, etc., come and pray for each other in the city. And then also out of that, we sometimes have committee meetings or or personal meetings or coffee or strategy meetings. And so very much as as part of working for our our city, not only our local church, but also to work for the church of the city and the wider community.
1: I imagine that those meetings that happen between the leaders of the churches in the city, those things must eventually overflow into the preaching platform that you have on a Sunday. And this would be the way that it gets into the hearts and minds of people who are ordinary churchgoers. This is the way it happens. It it has to happen out of relationship, first at leader level, and then it has to be the encouragement, and even then permission uh, to do something good in the city for people who are ordinary churchgoers.
2: Definitely, it's part of the joy of... Having, you've become very good friends with other pastors. Uh, they become some of your best friends, in fact, and it's a delight to invite them to uh, share your pulpit. Uh, for instance, we have a wonderful Seventh-day Adventist pastor in our city, and he, of course, um, preaches on Saturday, so he's quite free on Sunday. And he's because he's a marvellous preacher, we love to have him to come and uh, preach for us, as other congregations do too. So, yes, um, there's cross-pollination, and that's a real joy. Let's
1: take another call. Jenny is on the line from Portland in Victoria. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Hello. Jenny, what are your thoughts? Look, I've only heard
3: a fertile, tiny fraction of your show because I've been out of the church thing, actually. But um, I, I was listening to the part where you're saying getting people to meet other people's needs or something in the church, right? Uh,
1: well, and in the church and outside of the church, well, sure. Yeah, in the, the community.
3: Too. But I have found in a lot of times that Christian people are not much different than non-Christians in meeting needs. They want to give advice. Hmm. and Or otherwise, they'll say, I'll pray for you. I would love to see it that Christians say, all right, I'll pray with you and we'll listen to what God is going to say here because sometimes the person's vocalizing a need that is really different to what their real need is.
1: Okay. You're uh, touching on something pretty important here because is the message of the gospel only giving advice to people and sounding like you're pointing a finger, or is there a dimension here that is personal, relational, and even active to the point of meeting a need and sometimes even putting yourself out of pocket? Uh, Your thoughts for Jenny, Ian?
2: Oh, well, I I agree with her. Um, the, The gospel is good news, not good advice. So I, I think in the early church, they invited people, their friends, those in need to come and share a meal with them because every church service was a meal in the early church. And I think around the joy of uh, corporate gathering, of of singing and worship, of fun, of eating together, uh, you start to relax. And then you, you pray for one another. You, you You confess your own issues. Everybody has issues. Uh, and so in, in doing that, you, you start to have uh, mutual support and encouragement. And I think where that works, and I've seen it work in Toowoomba, and yes, uh, she's totally right. Jenny's right. I've seen too many Christians and probably including myself at times you try to give advice and that doesn't always go over well. So yes, it's uh, bringing people into your life and sharing and doing life with them together. I think we can grow together out of that context. Jenny, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316
1: if you'd like to join into our conversation. Ian, when the special movement day comes together in Sydney, and we mentioned there's going to be one in Perth in the week before that in May, and then there's, of course, those that are happening overseas as well. When you've got people who are gathering together, a lot of the presentations are people telling the story of their city. How much inspiration do you glean when you're hearing about the good things that are happening in someone else's town or city?
2: Uh, it's it's wonderful because uh, every city is different. Every group of leaders in every city are different. And so it's wonderful to hear everybody's story. But as well as the inspiration and the challenge of that, we also uh, will have electives in the afternoon where people feel equipped and can ask questions and uh, look at how can they apply what they've heard into their own context, or is very simply, where, how do I even just get started? Uh, and the, So as well as leaders, Christian leaders, we'll have business people, we'll have young leaders, we're having a special ethnic leaders uh, luncheon, we're having heads of churches luncheon. Uh, as well, where uh, Bishop um, Philip Huggins, the head of the National Council of Churches, and Commissioner James uh, Condon are going to host a special heads of churches to talk to them about how can we encourage grassroots unity and mission in the towns and cities of Australia. So it'll be a very diverse two days. Uh, Let's take one more call.
1: Jonathan, on the line from Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Yes.
3: Yes, uh, You know, um, having fellowship. And walking together, eating together, breaking bread together. All of these things came after the Pentecost. So I think it should not be the first priority because when we begin to do this thing and want just to have fellowship, and I know the importance of the fellowship, we begin to do our own thing because breaking bread is good. Breaking denominational barriers is good. But what are we doing for? It's just for all to eat together. That's the main purpose. Or why we share Christ?
1: Uh, good thought. It
3: be our focus.
1: It's not just a social gathering when leaders get together, but it's a sense, I suspect, when you have leaders uniting together in a sense mm. of purpose and submitting yourself before the mission that God has given to us. This is where his empowerment comes. Uh, Your thoughts for Jonathan, Ian?
2: Uh, I totally agree. Uh, Every week when all the leaders get together in our city, the first thing we do is worship and pray, Uh, give glory to God, um, celebrate his goodness to us, and then um, uh, pray for one another and to bless the city together. So the first active thing is to center around God and uh his work in his son Jesus Christ. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. We won't take any more calls,
1: uh, but just to uh, to just focus on this for a few moments here Ian. Uh, I think Jonathan was raising a significant point because uh, eating together is good. It is fun. There is a sense of friendship. You go away with a certain glow uh, that you've gotten together with the saints of God in your uh, particular meeting. But I have noticed over the years uh, when you've got the eating that goes on, eventually the eating even loses its draw cards without an agenda. And it's this agenda that emerges, which is the strategy that you could say is the strategy for your community. What are your thoughts about eating together uh, and the, the, the wonderful thing that it is, the fun activity that it is? This is a joyful thing that we do eating together. And out of that starts to come something of
2: substance. Oh, very much. And not just only eating together, even Sunday morning, uh, Christian activity can be very introverted and it's almost like a holy club, and we're there for ourselves. It's like we come to enjoy our friendships with each other, and yes, we worship God. Uh, but the Christian church is uh, not only a family, it's also an army. We're here for a purpose, and we're here to declare Christ's lordship in the wider community and to push back the work of the enemy Uh, get rid of his darkness and to bring in light and life and love and so any church or any small group or any even a bunch of Christians that are eating together regularly that don't have a purpose that means uh, that um, is involved in going outside of themselves really will become introverted and stagnant very quickly so yes we're here for a much bigger scene Uh, much much.
1: And I imagine the divine element of what comes with this strategy comes because it's not just Ian Shelton's uh, uh, agenda being talked about here. It's not just the agenda of uh, those other leaders that you mentioned, but we're talking about the divine agenda. This is how God himself downloads to us uh, in that sense of his revelation, of his agenda, and he's interested in our communities individually because this is how the whole
2: of the church, the kingdom of God advances. Uh, Totally. God is Trinitarian. He's a community in himself, and uh, we're we're to reflect the heaven on earth, so the community of God should be reflected as a community of God here on earth, and our, our God is on mission, and so the communities on earth are to be on mission.
1: Ian, we've run out of time. I wish we could keep talking. Uh, but let me just point listeners to the website where you can get details about Movement Day. It is a movement worthy of support. Not everyone will be able to get to Sydney for those special dates, but there's a movement day in Perth also on the fourth of May. Uh, the one in Sydney is over two days, the eighth and 9th of May. And uh, there's also another one you mentioned happening in Toowoomba a little later this year. Uh, your Toowoomba uh, network will have to uh, to work out that date with you directly, Ian. But let me point people to movementday.com.au. Undoubtedly the There'll be dates there for how you can participate and how you can glean some wonderful wisdom about how you might move towards having something effective happen in your own community. Whether it's you involved or your way that you can inspire the leaders in your local church to unite together and really address some of the hurtful, painful Ugly things in our communities and bring forth that beauty that comes from this message of the gospel. Ian Shelton, Movement Day Hub Leader for the Pacific Region, thanks so much for spending some time just sharing your heart with us today on
2: 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been a joy. Before you go, thanks for listening.
0: There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported.